A gospel reading from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is the word of the Lord. So a word of thanks for the invitation to be with you tonight. Um, a special word of thanks um, to my friend Betsy, who um, continues to make me feel welcome every time we see each other. And to my new friend Sandy, who prayed with me, and to my friend in the back, who uh, made it, gave me permission <laughs> to, to come down to the floor level um, to speak with you all. I was a complete hellion growing up, and I related to what Arwen said about those broken bones on playgrounds. <laughs> um, the most um, recent injury happened a long time ago, but I still have the effects of it, and I broke my leg and dislocated my ankle really badly to the point that it's hard to negotiate stairs until I become a bionic woman with an ankle replacement. So uh, I'll be glad to come back after, after that, and I will sail up the stairs without any, any concern. You all have welcomed me with much grace and incredible hospitality. And on behalf of the people of St. John's, I'd like to say a word of thanks for the opportunity to talk um, and share here today, but also to be neighbors and to work with people who are interested in creative collaboration. I believe that Jesus gave us that model when he chose 12 folks who didn't quite make the grade, but who met him where he was and became aware of how they could be changed by working with him. So a little bit about me. I think I am either neighbor 11 or at least the 11th person who has talked about neighboring from the bulletin. And I thought it would be helpful for you to have some sense of who it is that stands before you. I am a beloved child of God. I am sinner and saint both at the same time. And a lot of who I am is the result of the people who love me. I am daughter to Bob and Carolyn and sister to Deanna. I am wife to Joe and mother to Dresden, a 13-year-old who changes overnight and who has lots of words and lots of thoughts, all of which seem important for me and his father to hear all the time. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I am the senior pastor at St. John's, which is back that way, on the corner of Fifth and Broadway. I'm a doctoral student 
I'm a community advocate. I'm a lover of chocolate, Key West, and the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Go blue. I am blessed to know that God is in charge and I am not. For you see, I grew up and received many gifts in the Southern Baptist tradition. But being a female called to being a pastor, that was a bit of a challenge for my home congregation. And I ended up at St. John's in 96. I wasn't going to be a Lutheran and I wasn't going to be a pastor. On August 25th, 1996, I started a part-time youth ministry gig, 20 hours a week for one year. And then I was heading back to North Carolina to continue my training as a pediatric chaplain. Now I am a Lutheran and I am a pastor. I'm grateful every single day, even the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. I am grateful to you that each of you has chosen to minister and serve in the downtown area. I'm grateful for your presence on Market Square. And now I'm grateful for your presence north of the railroad tracks. Now, I had this conversation with some others and I will tell you, there are some things that people think about folks from the other side of the tracks. <laughs> but rest assured, there is plenty of ministry for us to do and God is already using you in an incredibly faithful way. Please join me in prayer. God of grace, we are grateful that we are your beloved, that you look upon us with incredible tenderness and you claim us and you name us and you gift us, you call us and empower us. And as we say yes, you are already meeting us there. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer, amen. So when Doug spoke to me about this incredible privilege of speaking with you all about what it means to be a neighbor in the downtown area, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to share from my one of, no, it, honestly, it is my favorite gospel story. This story in the gospel of Mark, where a woman finds herself dealing with an issue of blood for 12 years. This is my favorite gospel story because it speaks of God's grace in a profound way. And it focuses on someone that society had deemed disposable. It is characteristic of Mark in that Mark is one of those writers that likes to move super fast. If you look at the beginning of Mark, there are no angels, there are no shepherds, there's no manger. Mark just dives right into the story of Jesus Christ. And he also does this thing um, called a Markin sandwich. I'm guessing maybe, just maybe, Mark might have had a little um, trouble focusing because he started a story and then he inserted another story and then he finished the story. So you got the Markin sandwich, like the bread and the, the first story and the ending of the story is the second slice of bread. And right in the middle, there's something unusual and spectacular. And the other reason I love this gospel is because it highlights storytelling and the importance of relationship. Many of you have probably already realized that Levitical law would have rendered this woman unclean. 
So let's think for just a minute about how life had bankrupted her, how it had drained her dry, and how it left little um, to be seen as redeemable. If you think about the bleeding that had gone on for 12 years, there's without a doubt a physical issue. She had to feel drained. She had to feel weak. She had to feel washed out. And my guess is probably not seen. Additionally, there were most likely emotional scars that she bore. Because, as you can see, y'all, my phone is ringing in my purse because my dog's supposed to be fed at 5.30. Um, she's not going to get fed at 5.30 <laughs> because I am here. So I'm going to turn that off real quick. There were a lot of Okay, back to the woman in the story. Um, physically drained and emotionally probably used up because as an unclean woman, it would have been difficult for her to be engaged in emotional relationships of physical intimacy. Even a touch or a hug would have rendered someone else unclean. And so think about it, 12 years, no touch. 12 years, perhaps away from her family, we don't know, but certainly away from community. So given up on emotionally. Additionally, my guess is that there was at least a couple of nights in those 12 years where she laid awake going, what in the world did I do to deserve this? Think about those dark nights when you wake up and you can't go back to sleep and your mind starts Spinning? What if your mind was spinning around the perception that you had done something to warrant this disease? So drained physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally again, because she can't be in relationship with people if she can't be around people because she is considered unclean. And then certainly spiritually unclean. But the good news is she heard about Jesus. And it helped her to notch up the courage. Notch up the courage to rally her physical strength. And to risk something big for something good. And to search deep to find that last shred of hope. That last, last thread of faith to touch the hem of his garment. We know from the gospel story and our writer Mark, who loves the world immediately, immediately she knew she was healed. And immediately because of the power that had gone out from him, Jesus knew that something had happened. Now the truth is he could have just continued on. He was the real deal at this point in his ministry. And everyone was packing in around him. In fact, the disciples, when he asked, who touched me, you can just hear him say, dude, there's all these people around you. How can you ask who touched you? 
And some of us might have been like, okay, I give up. I'll never know who touched me. But Jesus, Jesus did a beautiful thing. It said that he looked all around to see who had done it. And that is incredibly important. Because of Jesus' insistence in knowing who, who touched him, the woman again, though trembling and in fear, found the courage to come before Jesus. And she told the whole truth. If I had to pick one of the most glorious, beautiful phrases in all of scripture, it would be that. She told Jesus the whole truth. And without a doubt, she had been physically healed. She knew that. But I want us to think about the ways that she was healed because Jesus asked her to tell her story. Healing came for that woman because Jesus remembered her. He remembered her again. He remembered her into community through story. And this is the way he did it. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's look at each piece of his response. Daughter. You are a daughter or you are a son because you belong to somebody in relationship. So he said to her, daughter, you belong. Daughter, you are made well relationally. He says, your faith, your faith, that's a spiritual word. That spiritual word engaged her again into her community of faith. It healed her spiritually. Not just that, your faith has made you well. It has put you in right relationship with yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your world, and mentally, the torment of what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to cause this? Melted away. Jesus, I think, knew this when he said, go in peace. Go in peace. And beloved child of God, rest easy. Rest easy knowing that you are healed spiritually. And then he said, be healed of your disease. She was made well. Made well. As I think about our shared ministry, I think about our neighbors and me, our neighbors and us. I think that we have more in common than we realize. Because every person we encounter as a neighbor, either Fourth and Gill or downtown resident or neighbor who doesn't have a house, every one of us is somebody's son or daughter, mother or father, brother or sister. We are all, all in need of healing and we all need that immediacy that Mark talks about. Sometimes we just need it to happen smack in the moment. 
We are all in need of having our story heard. I had an incredible opportunity to pray with Sandy. And that woman heard my story and prayed it back to God in a way that gave me life. We all need to have our stories heard. And we all need to be remembered because sometimes we just straight up forget who and whose we are. We have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, and we think that's all there is to us. Or we intend with all of our hearts to be patient with our child, our spouse, our friend, our coworker, our student, our teacher. And despite our very best efforts, we fall short and we're like, I'm just not worth it. It's important to have somebody to come back around and bring us back into community to remember us into God's family. And all of us, neighbors, me, you, we all need grace. One of our seminarians turned pastor, Preston Carter Fields, shared with me an incredible gift of a preacher, poet, artist, activist. And the man can turn a phrase like no other. His name is Steve Garnis Holmes. And he writes to Jesus about this story. Jesus, even without knowing, you offered your power to her. Without justification, you met her reach. Without knowing why, you enabled healing. You do not require explanation or deserving. By the overflowing of your grace, you do not judge. You do not withhold. You didn't even know her before you healed her. Such is your love. She reached out, and the reaching out, this you called faith. Not the believing, but the reaching. Jesus, I do not understand. I do not know the outcome. I only reach out. I reach for the hem of your garment. My siblings in Christ, as you think about moving into your new building and inhabiting that corner of the world and being the body of Christ right there, I pray that you will breathe this prayer. Jesus, I reach. Jesus, I reach. Jesus, I reach. I realize that we're not quite at the end of the the service, and there's probably going to be a glorious benediction to send us on our way. But I wanted to share with you a benediction that is incredibly important to me. A word that has been written on my heart since uh, seminary part one in Louisville, Kentucky. I was a member of Crescent Hill Baptist Church. Crescent Hill was the liberal Baptist church, which kind of made me laugh because liberal and Baptist don't often go together. But if there was a liberal Baptist church, Crescent Hill was that. H. Steve Shoemaker was my seminary pastor, and at the end of every service, he would conclude with this message, it's benediction. 
And I would often tell God, you know, God, I'm, I'm not going to be a pastor, but if I am a pastor, if I was to be a pastor, this is the benediction I would use. I have shared this benediction literally hundreds of times. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, don't you ever get tired of it? I don't. <laughs> Every single time God speaks these words through me, I find something for me, and I pray it is something for you. It will start off very familiar, and then it will take a bit of a turn. So my beloved friends and partners in ministry, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God give you grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to realize that the world is much too small for anything but love and much too dangerous for anything but truth. And now may God take your minds and think through them. May God take your lips and speak through them. And may God take your heart and set it on fire. In the name of Jesus Christ, who goes with you. Amen.